Hello and welcome to episode 269 of the Random Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. <laughs> I, I'm Angel. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm nice. Kevin. I am also. I'm using a, a new mic system, so my audio might be a little weird. Yeah, but that chuckle came in loud and clear when I said 269. So <laughs> nice, nice. But anyway, yeah, we are back to business as usual. Um, we've got an episode full of news, including Game Award nominees and at long last an official Smash Bros. Uh, championship circuit. But perhaps more importantly, we also have impressions. A whole lot of impressions. Uh, we're calling this episode God Catch Em Up because we are catching up with the recent wave of first party releases from Nintendo that we haven't discussed due to last episode's special roundtable. And that does include Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, as our title implies, but also Mario Party Superstars and the Legend of Zelda Game and Watch. Um, but speaking of that anniversary episode, actually, stay tuned to the end of this episode to find out who won the first part of our big anniversary giveaway extravaganza uh two commenters are getting a 20 dollars eShop gift card each and if you didn't comment there's more chances to win a gift card of your own happening on our twitter and our youtube in the coming week remind you how that all works in the end of the episode or you can just go read all about on this episode's blog post at roundtown.com which is also where per usual we have our timestamps for this episode so lots of housekeeping there got that out of the way how are you guys doing doing pretty good it's been a very busy last couple of weeks with a lot of different types of gaming. I mean, I mean, especially with Nintendo, it just feels like there's always mm. been something. Yeah, they've been busy. They've been busy. How about you, Kevin? Uh, I've been all right. I finally went to the doctor to check up on my sinuses, which have been like killing me the last uh, few months, and uh, I can finally breathe again. I had COVID, so I lost That's my great. sense of smell. And with the medication, it looks like I have that back, which kind of sucks because I didn't want my sense of smell back. Question. Didn't you have COVID a while ago? Yep, and I have never got your sense I of got smell COVID the back time. in March, and I never had my sense of smell back. Wow, it was just like until uh, like now. a long yeah, and I don't want it back. <laughs> um, it was like I'm a cool sorry, superpower, but... and now like everything, like all the smells are like super heightened now, which is I don't like it. So it's like Daredevil, but your nose, pretty much. Interesting. It's time to you be a superhero, sniff out crime, Ugh. or or not. Okay, maybe not. Uh, but I guess we haven't actually talked in a while because we, we skipped random non-tendo due to Thanksgiving weekend and we did our round table. We recorded that early. Did anyone get any good deals over Black Friday? Anything happen? Any gaming conquest? Um, no, I can't say that. Um, I was looking at Hot Wheels Unleashed as a game I was considering getting during Black Friday, but the only deals that were really good were, um, you know, physical copies of the game, and I wanted a digital right. copy. And for that one, the price is still in the I can wait just a little longer category. Tempting, but yeah, need to get the game digitally. You did get a TV though, didn't you? Yeah, but that was just random thing. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm it. sure your games look better now as a result. I mean, we'll see eventually. Did uh, Kevin, you pick up anything for Black Friday? I actually didn't pick up anything for Black Friday this year, which is weird. I usually, yeah, I'm, I'm kind I usually of like though. purchase purchase a thing or two. Not this, not this year. I think the most I got was uh on the eShop sale, like the Cyber Deal sale. Nintendo had I bought Unravel two for three dollars. Haven't yet played it, but I've heard it's good. Three bucks, like instead of twenty, not a bad deal. I I did see. You know what's funny? I think Diamond I got Unravel two. Pearl. I think I got Unravel hmm. two last year for like the same deal because I've just had it on my Switch did, and have never. Have played you it. played it? I no, haven't played it yet. You still haven't played it. I feel like Switch well, Library. Because I'm going to play with Elvis, but right. it's just a matter of when we have time. And yeah, yeah, we, yeah. 
But yeah, I feel like Switch libraries are kind of becoming Steam libraries where you just buy a bunch of deals and you're like, I'll get to this one day and then you just never do. I mean, granted, I don't have like a 300 game backlog, but there's definitely a few that I was like, oh, this is great that I haven't played. Like we, we talked about Let's Conduct Together or whatever it's called like months ago on the podcast. I still haven't played it and I bought it the same day you did, Angel. So oh, it's just fine. I actually did play it. Damn. I know. And you, you talked about it here. I know. But yeah, I, I did see that Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl was 10 bucks off, but. I don't know. I couldn't pull the trigger. I don't know what it is with the remakes. Like, I never really buy them. Even with Badoof, this is the game that gave us Badoof, and I still couldn't pull the trigger. Uh, this is the game that we have to blame. What? This is the game that we have to blame. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. But if you by blame, if you mean thank, and you just got no, your words mixed up, which I completely understand. Innocent mistake. Yes. Not a mistake. But <laughs> but let, let's actually start there, though. Because uh, Pokemon Brilliant Dinosaur is a game. Thanks. It's... <laughs> I worked hard on it, but no, it, it is a game that even at first glance, like I didn't, I don't know if I, it already looks like it's breaking some traditions for Pokemon for like the franchise. It's the most literal remake they've ever done. It's not brought up to the modern Sword and Shield engine, but outsourced to the team behind Pokemon Home of all things. And it has its own in-game engine that kind of mimics the DS versions. Um, and there, you know, that at the time, those DS versions were arguably like the pinnacle of the franchise's advancement. Now on Switch, it almost kind of at least at a passing glance feels like it's like a spin-off like game freaks toiling away at pokemon legends arceus this came out in the interim it's almost like the analogy i think of it's kind of like how link's awakening had a remake on switch but then also there's the grander breath of the wild experience on switch like it's kind of that parallel um but both of you guys did buy it right because i'm just talking about like what it looks like from afar but you guys have it so how well first which version did you guys get i got brilliant diamond just to replicate what i got many years ago my brother was the one that got the other one, Shining Pearl. Yeah. What about you, Kevin? If I were to get it, I probably also would have got get Diamond. I didn't buy this. Oh, I thought you ended up buying it. Nope. Did you not, in the end, pull the trigger? Nope. I, I don't think I ever said that I would buy this. For some reason, I thought you did. Hmm. Nope. Well, Angel, I guess. I bought Shining Pearl for five. It? I bought it a, a different. Uh, I bought the Pokemon for Nihilus. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, and we'll probably talk about that in one of the upcoming episodes, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, the 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 warm and cuddly and fuzzy version of Shimigami Tensei Pokemon. Angel, you have it. I guess you're the only one that has it. How is it? Uh, I mean, definitely glad I got it. I've been on a Pokemon hiatus for a while before this. I did not get... Actually, I guess ever since um Sun and Moon, I played the heck out of Sun and Moon. It's really fun. Transferred all my people over, and I guess it was just around the time where I just kind of dropped like, alright, competitive Pokemon is not what I'm gonna expend energy on anymore. Like, I'll still kind of keep up with the meta every once in a while just to see what's going on, but I'm not going to, you know, I guess actively participate in it. It just became too much. But when they announced Eminem Pro, I kept thinking, like, oh, okay, I'm going to return to this if they do a remake. And then they announced it. And while I was disappointed initially that it wasn't, like you mentioned, in in the same engine as Sword and Shield and basically going to be the next game in... Because, I mean, that's how Ruby and... Alpha Ruby and Omega Sapphire, whatever the order goes. Like, those were, like, the mm-hmm. next competitive games. They added new mechanics to the, or they, yeah, they added more Mega, yeah, Mega, Mega Pokemon to it. It was just in the next circuit. It was just the next game. But instead, it's, like, some weird option where if Nintendo, or I guess Pokemon Company, does use it for competitive play, it's definitely not going to be, I guess, yeah, it's going to be its own little thing. It's not going to be, like, the main stage game. That's still going to be Sword and Shield. Because mm-hmm. this game, you know, has its more limited pool of Pokemon, has 
not all the moves that Pokemon have learned over the years, and I mean, and also just aesthetically, it looks identical to the old one, which, well, I, it looks how you remembered it, I guess, is the best way to say it, because the graphics honestly don't look that much better than how you kind of remember they looked on the DS. Because the DS, you had, like, 3D environments with sprite-based characters, which look kind of cool. And the sprites just look good in their own right. They don't look dated. Like, the graphics just don't look dated in Diamond and Pearl. On the top of my head. I'm pretty sure I remember watching a trailer recently just to, like, check it out. But, like, they don't really look that dated. They just look like, oh, that's just an aesthetic choice. And this one looks like someone basically took the DS game and just, like, I don't know, started running it on their computer and just replaced the models with 3D models. Yeah, just, like, made it nice and crisp. And, yeah, I mean, it's been been nice and nostalgic essentially really enjoying it would definitely recommend to people that just like want to i guess go on a little nostalgic trip so did they but everything add but it, anything to it or is it straight up a remake like is there no, any new it, stuff like great. i know they they retrofitted the ds stuff to the screen like the touchscreen stuff you now use a stick for like i get that but is there any actual in changes because usually they do some changes like you're saying with the megas and stuff Mm, not that I can see. If anything, there's been there's been um subtractions. But oh, how so? Well, how deep into like, the game are you? I'm like a couple gyms in. I'm okay. like halfway there. Like like enough to like like have the mechanics already. So, I mean, we have like just quality of life improvements, but it's still the exact same game. Everything is still in the same spot. Like I was able, I'm playing through the game in Japanese, and I've just been going really slowly as a result. Just kind of like reading out everything and translating it. And yeah, and every once in a while I just get lazy and I just try to figure it out without reading it. Or reading it but not really understanding fully what they're saying because I don't have like all the vocabulary down yet. And sometimes I'll get stuck and I'm like, okay, well, no one's telling me where to go. And sometimes like, I'll just enter a town and I'm like, oh, wait, there should be like this person I talked to here on the left. And sure enough, they're like right there. And then you talk to them and then you just go to the gym and you do the battle. I don't even have that kind of memory to like my favorite games, let alone yeah, one specific Pokemon I, game. How how many times did you beat Diamond and Pearl first, like in the DS days, Angel, to be able to memorize exactly like, oh, I turn left here and there's the person that gets me. Like that's impressive. I think I must have played through it twice. And you still remember? Wow. I mean, I don't know. It didn't seem that hard to forget. I guess <laughs> I don't know, but or maybe I guess I do just have a decent memory. Diamond and Pearl is but, such a sore spot for me. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, but yeah, like definitely played a lot of Diamond and Pearl back in the day. I mean, obviously that's not gonna help remember specific. Like, actually, wait, no, I think I did play through it more than twice. I would hope definitely if you knew exactly where ish. characters are standing. <laughs> at least three, at least three. But, but yeah, I mean, like they obviously improved the the whole HM thing. Like, no longer do you have to. Force Pokemon to learn it. You just kind of learn the HM, and then you could just use it anywhere, and a Pokemon comes in and just does it, just like Sword and Shield. Which means I don't have to carry around a Bidoof anymore, because that was really their only purpose. They were um, really good at like carrying all your HM, so you don't have to give it to a Pokemon that's actually worth like your time. And, um, excuse you, they're worth everyone's time, and, and I guess uh, the only other they're Bidoofs. They're the best. No, how dare you? And um, yeah, and the only other thing. Is, um, yeah, I guess the underground, unfortunately, like, got improvements and subtractions as well. Like, 
you can't really make a fort the way you used to. Now it's a lot more, uh, I guess I kind of want to say limited. Like you can't put these statues of Pokemon that you can battle at any time, which is actually really cool. That does kind of help with EV training and that kind of stuff. But I'm not really about that life anymore. So it doesn't really <laughs> help me too much. What I would have liked to see is just the return of traps and like the capture the flag mini game, which unfortunately are no longer there. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's just a chill nostalgic trip. Like I'm just, just enjoying the ride. I honestly didn't pay that much attention to the story initially. And I guess I'm still not really doing so, but I'm just enjoying like running around and just kind of just playing a Pokemon game again, essentially. One of, one of my big questions for you as you play it is how glitchy has the game been? Because there's been some chatter online that it doesn't seem to have been QA'd as well as it could have been. Like folks have posted videos of like collision detection issues where if you walk under a bridge, suddenly you're on the bridge or a character disappears after talking to them. Like, have you encountered any of that? Luckily, I haven't encountered too many issues. Um, like, if anything, it's been like mainly localized to like one event, but the event was just like kind of surprising that it almost kind of makes up for it in a weird way. But essentially, um, as I was just like exiting a gym during the transition screen where, you know, you have the little icons bouncing on the bottom and you're just waiting for things to load, it just decided to take like a good three to four minutes to load. And I was just stuck on that screen for the longest time and I wasn't really sure what to do. Like I kind of didn't want to just shut it down. I just wanted to see what would happen and look in event. Yeah. Like I said, three to four minutes passed by and eventually loaded onto the next screen. And I'm like, okay, that was weird. But then on the next screen, the music was just like coming in and out like sporadically. Hmm. And as I was kind of running along, the music then just cut out. And then I, you know, went over like some tall grass and I triggered a Pokemon battle. But then suddenly, like, as soon as the battle triggered, my character didn't move. Like, it was just a screen, the character in the field, nothing happening. And maybe about like 30 to 40 seconds later, the battle finally started. And then the battle went on normally as fine, completed it. And I was like, all right, cool. Maybe it's finally done. We've gone through another loading screen that didn't take that long. And then when I went to the city to talk to the professor where I needed to next, the game just kind of froze again. And after a long battle with Team Galactic that was a long, just because every time I hit an input, things just took forever to happen, I just decided to save it and restart it at that point. But yeah, that's pretty much the extent of what I experienced. I mean, I suppose a lot and a little. Are you leveraging, like the biggie I've been reading is there's this duplication bug where you can basically replicate your Pokemon, your teams of Pokemon, entire boxes of Pokemon, just within oh, I have, menu. Yeah, I had nothing in that one, but yeah, that definitely sounds like a doozy. Yeah, I imagine, though, because you're saying, you know, this is kind of an isolated game that doesn't really have a competitive, like, the competitive scene's still around Sword and Shield, so I imagine, in a weird way, maybe that's not even detrimental that that bug exists. Like, if people just want to, like, mess yeah. with ideal teams, it kind of lets you. It's almost like, <laughs> it's like a unintentional Easter egg of sorts, almost. Yeah, it definitely doesn't really matter. I feel... This game just lives in a nice little pocket that you can just enjoy it without, like, yeah, stressing out about being in the competitive scene. So right, right now, at the time of my life, it's it's perfect. I'm I'm really happy with it. All Kevin, you were starting to say something game. before that you're not bone to pick, but something about Diamond and Pearl. Oh, Diamond is uh is like such a sore spot for me because that was the last Pokemon game I had played before Sword and Shield, uh, because I took it to school. 
and it was in my backpack and it got stolen during uh like PE gym whatever we called it back then. Uh my limited edition red fat Nintendo DS that I got with Mario Kart back in the day. Oh, I know which DS you're talking about, the one yep. in the bundle. Yeah. Like yep. the the hot rod red. Yeah. And it had the uh, Mario Kart strap instead of just like a regular yeah. black one. Yeah. The the like checkered Checker flag, yeah. yeah, yeah, like the race flag, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And that's when I swore off Nintendo games, not Nintendo games, uh, Pokemon games, up until Sword and Shield, of course. Sadness. Did you ever beat that. Sword and Shield? No, I never beat Sword and Shield. I forgot how far I got into it. I, it got, I, I think I got farther in Sword and Shield than I did into Diamond and Pearl. Damn. Yeah, I feel like not to. I feel like not to backpedal to the glitch thing, but like, there's something about remakes lately. <laughs> like I was just thinking about this, and I like remember how. Grand Theft Auto Trilogy Definitive Edition was announced, and I noted how weird it was that they didn't release any screenshots or videos until, like, the week before release. Well, like, not to toot my own horn, but I called it there. The game was a mess at launch. Like, Rockstar issued statements. They put up patches for over 100 different bugs, ranging from, like, no clouds in the sky to rain that was just white pixels to game crashes to glitchy cameras to you name it. They delayed the physical release till 2022, at least on Switch. And then, like, Pokemon has this issue, and 64 Online had these issues. Like, it, it seems like something about remakes this year is just, like, cursed, almost. And, I don't know, like, on some level, I do understand. Pushed, like, almost a year, I think. It was supposed to come out Did in it? January. I think it's coming out next year, right? Uh, wait, which remake? The Prince of Persia remake? Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's delayed indefinitely, yeah. <laughs> it's, they don't have a date anymore. It was gonna be, um, March, and then they were kinda like, we're taking it back, like, figuring it, and we'll figure it out. Probably the best move that they can make. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and and that's the kind of thing is, like, I do understand the constraints developers are under, even with Prince of Persia. Like, remote work probably isn't easy, you know, clearly timetables are tight. Fortunately, a lot of these are getting delayed. But, like, even with, like, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, um, apparently the day one patch that they released was not just bug fixes, but literally missing animations, missing music. It was three gigs worth of stuff they just didn't have done on time. So, like, you know, Prince of Persia being delayed is maybe the better route to go, <laughs> but it is strange that just, like, all these things are being, ru- minus Prince of Persia, I guess, are being kind of rushed out. Like, I don't know, maybe let's not take advantage of folks' nostalgia and the passion to revisit those experiences. Like, I understand things can be patched and times are tough in terms of dev work, nor am I necessarily faulting um any developers for what's happening. They're working with business sides, uh timetables. But this just feels like the wrong lesson to learn from games as services or how, like, even Nintendo, you know, would do like bare bones releases like Splatoon and Arms and then fill in content over time. They, you know, they did it with Mario Golf these last couple of months. Like the logic almost seems to go, um, you know, if they can add stuff after release for a couple months, why not fix stuff after release for a couple months too? And it, that's, it seems reasonable, but on the business side, it's kind of like at what point does that transition from whoopsie daisy, we have some bugs to like consciously just being like, well, let's release it and people will buy it and we'll figure it out later. You know, some companies are certainly worse offenders than others. Like, Hello, cyberpunk, but um, but generally, it's just this trend I've noticed, especially in the last few months, and now even Nintendo's having it happen with Pokemon, where it they seem to be getting comfortable with the idea that they can release buggy software and fix it later, and like for the people on the other end, like the players, that kind of sucks. Like you get your money up front, but you're kind of upsetting your diehard fans. Like the chorus of your core, your rider dies. Like I don't know, like what? <laughs> it 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 feels like it's not gonna hurt long term. It's kind of a bummer to see that now Nintendo has fallen into that same trap. Both arguably with Pokemon and N64 Online. But it, I mean, obviously I'm speaking bigger than Pokemon here. Pokemon, relatively speaking, Angel Sanky only had that one glitch, so it's not like it's that bad. But yeah, I mean, just I a weird pattern. Didn't run the experience. 
Yeah, and I mean, in the case of like Diamond and Pearl, it didn't seem to. I mean, yeah, you seem to still be enjoying it, and and more than that, it didn't seem to hurt sales at all. Like the games are, you know, early numbers out of Japan, or like these games are right in line with other Pokemon remakes. You know, it's something like 1.4 million copies were sold, just physical, not counting digital. But even then, that's you know just off physical sales. That's more than Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee launched with. That's more than Ultra Sun and uh, Ultra Moon launched with. It's a little short of Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire by a couple hundred thousand. Um, it's only 200,000, um, less than what the original Diamond and Pearl sold. So, like, the games are doing fine. I just don't know if there's, like, a weird bad taste in people's mouths if they have worse glitches than the ones you do experience. But I guess we'll see. What What is actually kind of interesting, though, is, um, Brilliant Diamond and Shine Pearl actually sold more than Sword and Shield in their debut, uh, by about 30,000. We'll have to wait and see what the digital shakeout is. Like, for Sword and Shield eShop downloads alone moved it from launching at 1.36 million, which again, it less than 1.4, but, um, it moved it from that to over 2 million. So we'll see. But as a starting point, um, you can certainly see like why Nintendo and Pokemon company were like, let's just get this out the door and patches need it. Cause it, it's just selling. Um, mm. yeah. It's also, I think kind of speaks to this continuing idea that the Switch audience is just hungry for games. It'll just snatch them all up. Like it's the logic behind the Switch bump and. You know, maybe here it's equal to past performances, not exceeding, but it just, it does just kind of further back, um, what we see with basically every release on the Switch now. Like, you know, in the intro last episode or roundtable episode, I made an allusion to how the Switch OLED model moved the console back to number one on the NPD charts in October. Um, what I didn't mention though is that the Switch audience was like right along for the ride there. Um, you know, as hungry as ever for new games like Metroid Dread, strongest debut of any Metroid in US history with like 854,000 copies sold. Which of course bodes well for the franchise's future, perhaps in the same way that like Fire Emblem Awakening sort of saved the series in the West. Um, and it put Dread, I think, like the number three spot or something like that in the top ten. But even if you look like a little further down the chart at number eight, which is two days of physical sales recorded, was what's shaping up to be another big winner for Nintendo and another example of the sort of ravenous player base on the Switch, Mario Party Superstars. Like that's already a huge, you know, launch for them, given that kind of just another remake. Um and this is one of the games that all three of us not only own, but have played together online. So I actually know this one, Kevin, you do legitimately own, unless you were borrowing a copy. But um yeah, we all we all got to play together. The dream has finally come true, online Mario Party. What, how are you guys enjoying? That's true. How are you guys enjoying, or maybe not enjoying, Superstar? Very much. I have some gripes with it, but overall, I mean, it's we're getting closer. I mean, uh, Super Mario Party was kind of close. Mario Party Superstars. It's pretty much there. In terms just of, we just, um, I guess exactly what I wanted from a Mario Party. I mean, it's mm. like pretty much like all the way there. It's just like stop a little short at the finish line. But those are just minor things that I wouldn't really hold, actually hold against it. Many just uh, a surprising, I guess, short amount of boards. Like I don't know that 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 just feels really weird considering like they're remaking them, so they didn't necessarily have to come up with anything new. Mm-hmm. But every Mario Party before that, like, at least had six for the most part. Or, you know, at least had, like, a Bowser board. Just, I don't know. It Just like the Super Mario Party just feels like we're just short one. Like, it just feels like we have too little. Especially yeah, because, I, you know, two are from one, two are from two, and one is from three. Like, at least there was one more from three. Yeah, that's what's weird. Out. I agree. I actually looked it up. It's the base level. So most Mario Parties minus Super Mario Party have a minimum of five. Um, the original game had seven, Mario Party 9 had seven, but Damn. five to seven seems to be the range. So it's right in at minus Super Mario Party at the, the low bare end, minimum yeah. required. Yeah. Mm. 
Maybe, maybe wow. they're going to do some DLC, but you know, especially with how well Super Mario Party already sold on Switch, like maybe they see an opportunity there to to milk well, this one a little. But yeah, I agree. The we, board yeah, counts low. We can only hope so, because I mean, that's kind of what the mentality was for Super Mario Party, and it just never happened. Yeah, I mean, this one almost like sets itself better up for it, but uh, we'll have to see. We'll just have to see. What about you, Kevin? How are you? What's the last Mario Party you bought? Like, is this is are you back in the, the game last Mario Party that I bought? Was probably on the GameCube era. Oh wow! So this is the first one in quite a while for you. Yeah, pretty much. I I completely skipped the Wii and the Wii U uh, Mario parties. So how are you liking this you must one? Must have played them. Right? Am I liking it? Uh, uh yeah, I have played them. I'm pretty sure I played a few of them at, at your place with uh, Elvis. Uh, how am I liking this one? It's the same BS that the other <laughs> games have. It's still full of RNG. Uh, anybody who says that this game that these games are a game of skill is completely full of themselves. Uh, I hated playing with Angel because he got two stars in one round. Uh, it's so annoying, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> That's a great way to sum it up. And yeah, I can attest to it not being game skill because I went from fourth to first and actually won while only winning too many games the entire time. Angel can attest to this. It was when we were playing on Oh, that's day. right. You got the minigame star and you hadn't, you hadn't won more than any... You The computer won more than you. <laughs> It's uh, it's That's the beauty of Mario Party, Kevin. That's just how just how it works. Yeah, like I said, wouldn't have it any other way, honestly. Right, right. I I do think it's great that like we are able to actually all play online like that. Like it's great that Nintendo finally brought full online support to Mario Party. Like we we've had some mini game modes with Super Mario Party initially, and then they kind of shoehorned in like sort of fuller online, but had like a weird UI and that you know with that update last spring. But here, like it's actually built from the ground up to support online play as a core feature. Like, you actually pick being online or not before you do anything else in the game. And then, you know, you decide if you're going to do normal party games, a normal board, now minigame collections, the side modes, what have you. It's all online, the entire game. And it's just, it's nice. It took them, how long have fans been demanding this? Since the GameCube days where people were doing that weird, like, unofficial warp pipe land service thing? Like, it's it's been a long time coming. Um, I mean, I, I think part of what makes it work so well is, is also that Nintendo, like, both did exactly what people wanted with online and then kind of went a little further than that. So um, first, for those who haven't tried the game, um, in the most literal way, they took Mario Party and put it online. So it really feels like you're over at a friend's house and playing their game. Like you hand over control to the host player. They navigate all the menus right in front of you. You can see to some degree how people react to certain moves because they have those sticker emojis. You know, all, by the way, have great... T- I, I love those sticker emojis. I want them to make an iMessage sticker pack of them. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but they're great, and there's so many of them. Yeah, they look um, like something that came out of line, but yeah. Yeah, right? It feels like it. But it's a good way to, like, kind of let people capture those reactions, even though you're not sitting in the same room. Um, and even at, like, the end of a match, you see... This one's kind of weird, but you see how your host's progress is in building uh, up their level and their points earned. So it really does kind of feel like you're over around one N64 GameCube at a friend's house, just not physically. Um, like, they emulate pretty much the best way you could, that feeling, except, you know, you can't see people, so, like, they'd have to hook up a video feed or something to do that. But, so they do that, and that's, you know, just core, like, alright, this is how you play at a friend's house, and that's on the internet. Then they sort of put a second layer on top of it by having everything you do in anyone's online rack up experience and levels on your own profile, too, which can then unlock more of those great stickers, uh, new backgrounds for your profile card, that sort of stuff. Obviously, there's always been unlockables in Mario Party to encourage you to keep playing, even if you're playing solo. But I think what's kind of nice here, at least in the few online matches I've done, is it all blends 
with the online gaming practices that are pretty standard for the industry but are kind of new for Mario Party. So, you know, your unlockables are now outward facing. You can earn them by playing against friends or strangers in like a random lobby and all that kind of like, it's a system that's in place with, you know, every online game, like every other company's done this. But for Nintendo, and perhaps it's sad on some levels that this is an achievement for them, but for Nintendo to do this in Mario Party and to actually like go beyond just we emulated Mario Party, we brought in like standard online practices of how unlocks work and lobbies and all that, like that was nice. And it's sad that I'm commending them for that being like a nice feature, but you know, the bar's so low with Mario Party Online. Like even little things like a bot automatically subbing in if a player drops or being able to collectively save and return to an online match if you're playing specifically with friends. Like it's all just thought out and well thought through. And that is a weird thing to say about any online experience Nintendo does. So props to them, I guess, for catching up with 2006 or 2008. But yeah, it was, it, I was just pleasantly surprised. I didn't even experience any lag. Have you guys had lag when you've played online? Uh, yeah, there's some noticeable latency for sure. Um, mm. can't, uh, I can't ignore that. But besides that, I mean, I, it, it definitely, I wouldn't say it's enough to make me not enjoy the game though. Right. Right. But I have noticed like, yeah, some latency for sure. Yeah. I, I, I guess I need to play more locally to see because I've done online with you guys. I've done like a couple matches locally, but maybe I need to really dive a little deeper and see if I find that lag. But so far it's been really smooth. Uh, for me at least. I would, I would say outside of online integration, the other biggie with the game, and we kind of touched on it is, of course, nostalgia. You know, like this is a collection of older games. Um, obviously, like the game's build as a, a best of, but yeah, they, I didn't expect them to lean in that hard on the nostalgia angle, like almost to like aggressively hard. Like when you first start the game, I found it kind of funny how the intro reminds you it's been a long time, quote unquote, since you first entered the Mario Party warp pipe and they say it like three times in 30 seconds. They even go on to say like, it's okay if you forgot since it's been so long. And I'm just saying they're like, they're literally one line away from being like, welcome back grandpa. Or it's so weird how they lean that hard into remember this from 23 years ago. You're old now, but hey, come on down. Like, I don't know. They've never quite done like when they remake stuff like Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shine Pearl isn't like, Hey, did you play this in 2006? Well, guess what? That means you're at least this year, this many years old. They're just like, but this one's, yeah, the whole, the whole thing kind of reminds me. Do you guys remember like a month or two ago? There's that Blues Clues video that went viral where Steve or whatever the guy's name is returns. Let's talk about how you're an adult now and everything you've accomplished. And it's very much like, Hey, oldie. Like, I feel like Mario Party has that same vibe, which is kind of bizarre, but, Steve, but anyway, Steve absolutely would have been disappointed in me. He, that he was not talking to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you watch blues clues as a kid i feel like i was like slightly too old for it but i still watched it sometime yeah i i, I watched it i i had it wasn't a life-size blue but it was a, like a really nice uh blue that my parents bought me that i always go to sleep with and damn i don't remember where i lost it I've, i'm bringing up like you, a lot of a lot of yeah, trauma that i had losing. that was like lost stolen <laughs> today in uh, fact this episode is yeah, also a therapy that. session Great because um, my therapist has been uh, dodging me. Can't I can't imagine why. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, but yeah, did you get that vibe when you were booing up Mario Party that they're really leaning in on like you're old now? Remember when you were young and spry and this was the thing to play? Like it just felt so aggressively. But anyway, um, yeah, once you get past that, it is a lot of nostalgia. Um, you know, we talked about there's five boards from the first three Mario Parties, but there's also mini games from like I think almost all of them, right? Like, um. At least up to. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it goes one through ten. Yeah, right. Well, except the handheld ones. Yeah, and it does also focus on N64 and GameCube, but there are a smattering from the other games. In fact, you can even choose to just turn on or off 
N64 GameCube ones, which is kind of interesting. Did, did, are there any mini games or boards that particularly stood out to you guys when you went, like, going back and revisiting them? Not really. Like, I mean, they're all, it was a really great selection, but none of them stood out as like, oh man, like, this one's like amazing. Like, I don't know, maybe because I've just been playing Mario Party consistently throughout the years that, like, I'm happy Bookworm is in it, but mm-hmm. like, I'm not going crazy for it. The only times I've really had any kind of reaction is like when we play a minigame and we're like, really? Like, of all the minigames, they pick this one. <laughs> so the, the opposite, the inverse of what I was asking. <laughs> yeah, cause I, yeah. so many good choices, but then you have weird stuff like Hammer Drop. Like, that one is, it's not very fun. Someone out there but... might like Hammer Drop. I mean, the fact that they yeah. even worked in Tug of War, complete with rotating the stick. And they still have you rotate the stick like crazy, you know, like the blister move from the N64 days where you had to put your palm on the stick and rub it around really fast or spin it around really fast. Even that made the cut with the stick motion, which surprised me. There's a disclaimer, but still, yeah, like, I get what you mean. Like, I'm surprised some of the games are in there. Like, yeah, so many analog sticks broke weird. back in the day. <laughs> um, I will say I do like the board selection, even though it's small. I think, you know, the fact that they pick boards all have unique mechanics. You know, you have Horrorland with the Day and Night Cycle. You have Woody Woods with the Changing Directions. Peach's uh, Birthday Cake. Yoshi's uh, Tropical Island. You know, like, they got a, a good selection, and they brought in the features in the original games. So, like, chance times are there. You know, it it, it when, when applicable, it's it's nice. They, they really kind of did a best of. Uh, am I crazy that they also increased the number of lucky spaces? feels like they're everywhere. Oh yeah, they, yeah. They there's way out. too many. That that's definitely my biggest gripe. Like they they're just way too many. Like in the first game, like in Mario Party One, like they were there. They just gave you one of two items, but they were there. Right. Like few and far between. But now it's like I feel like no one goes a turn without like landing on like a lucky space. Like you're just getting coins and items all the time. Sometimes you get like three items at once. More than often, like it's just bound to happen multiple times. I don't know. It's it's a lot. I mean, everyone's impacted by it, so it doesn't really make it unfair, but I feel like it just makes the game feel too generous. I think yeah. that, that was probably on purpose, though, because these games that we've had are definitely, by the end of like a 15-turn game, as a total collective, we all probably have, like, what, nine stars by the end of the game? So, I, it, like, yeah, I guess myself playing back game. Mario Party back in the day, I feel like games were always, like, one by somebody who had two stars or three stars, mm-hmm. maybe if they got lucky. Now here we're winning by like five or four stars. I I do wonder if it's kind of Nintendo and and D Cube who who's the developer. I wonder if it's them almost throwing a bone to the audience that came in with Super Mario Party. Because Super Mario Party, you know, it, I like that they're back to twenty coins per star in the system we know so well. But like Super Mario Party had a lot higher star counts because it was only ten coins per star. So I wonder if like the lucky space move. Is kind of them being like, oh yeah, like you're not sucky at this game if you only have two stars, because we're gonna make it easier to get stars other ways, but we're also keeping the old like economy in place and kind of like meeting them halfway in that regard, possibly. Because if you're one of the what 15 million people that played Super Mario Party and you come in and you're like, oh, I got one star this whole game, you might just think you're bad at it and not like it. So this kind of gives you the opportunity, I guess. But I do think it's it feels like too many, even if it is balanced, because it's like every turn practically. And not really I, an issue, but something yeah. I thought was just kind of weird was that um, when you pick classic bonus stars, like you get the three original ones, but when you pick random, it only gives you two. Like, yeah, that's odd. Yeah, I just have it. <laughs> that that changes that that changes things. Like that's literally the difference between winning and losing. Yep. Um, but I don't know. Just kind of 
wish that was a little more consistent, but at this point, I just kind of have to treat it as a different game or just not account for it. But I don't know. Overall, very happy with it. Yeah. I, I do think that bonus star thing is kind of an interesting point because, like, we're coming, obviously, from a nostalgia perspective. You know, like, we're used to bonus stars being this and meaning that. We're used to stars being this and meaning that. Ions being this and meaning yeah. that. Um, Lucky Space is not, I mean, Chance Time not being an exclamation mark and yeah, Happy that's Space is being the exclamation mark, like, instead of a question mark. It's like, why change these things? Also, never mind the fact that, unless I'm mistaken, when you land on Chance Time, you don't have Toad's little squeaky voice going, Chance Time, like you used to, which I loved as a kid for some reason. But, um. I don't think that was Toad. I'm pretty sure it was just like the same announcer lady. Uh, whoever it was, I liked it. Oh, yeah. And now I'm sad it's not there. But I do think that's kind of the interesting Aww. thing, right? Like, for us longtime fans, like, all the differences in boards and minigames, the options to filter, the bonus stars two or three, all that, like, which minigames they included or didn't include or the weird ones they chose to include. Like, it's, from a nostalgia perspective, this is a really, like, interesting packet. But I, I, when I brought up, like, the Super Mario Party players a minute ago, that got me kind of thinking. And, like, if you're a younger player or new to the franchise, I feel like there's almost the potential of this being a little detrimental because like Super Mario Party was considered, you know, kind of back to the basics, right? And for us, like, oh, this is too different from real quote-unquote Mario Party. But it had layers. It had sidekick characters, those custom character dice. Like here, there's none of that. It's literally just a board's gimmicks and that's it. And all the minigames are button-based. So if you're used to later Mario Party's in motion, I understand why they took it out because the Switch Lite crowd needs something. But Again, your, all your controls are now button-based. It feels less varied in a way. Um, and even within the minigames, I know there's a hundred of them. They span ten games. There are some that have very similar mechanics, even out of those hundred. And none of this is necessarily, like, bad. You know, again, in the case of, like, motion control, you gotta do it to keep the Switch Lite people happy. But if you're used to the bells and whistles and deeper mechanics of later Mario parties, Superstars is kind of... I guess it like swaps them out for online play, proper online play, but it, it is something I guess to be mindful of as we're coming in as these like veterans of the franchise. And there's a lot of people that aren't. And I, I do wonder if this is going to feel almost like too simplistic, quote unquote, for them in a way. Like, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have experience with Mario Party and this isn't going to apply to you. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's interesting. If you don't like the pros, I think still outweigh the cons of the game as a whole especially if you have a good group of people to play with online or offline. But you kind of need that, because, like, even the single player, like, there's nothing really there, which is true for many of Mario Party. But if you don't have the nostalgia, if you don't have some of the side mechanics and side characters, that, like, it, it does, it is stripped back, in a way, compared to past Mario Parties. Which we don't really think about, because we're always like, yeah, this is what we remember. But for folks that don't remember, it's different. And I think they just need to know going in, it is a little different. Or better or worse. But, exactly, yeah. for better or worse. Some people will click with, yeah, some people will click with, some it won't, but it is not, if you play Super Mario Party, this is not Super Mario Party 2. This is somehow more stripped down in a way than Super Mario Party was. Um, but if you really want nostalgia, unless there's anything else about Mario Party, I think we covered it probably, right? Yeah, we should yeah. be good. Yeah, because I would say if you really, really, really want... Really, fun, really hmm. nice, uh, Definitely a welcome change after Super Mario Party. We talked about it a little bit a few episodes ago about how that game. Well, I guess Angel Angel hit it like it just wasn't there, and I'm definitely glad that they're closer to it. Mm-hmm. I think maybe a broader board selection would have been nice, but I think at the end of the day, that's all I can really complain about with that game. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's just the, the through line of all Mario Parties is give us more boards. Unless you're Mario Party 1 or Mario Party 9, you don't have enough boards, and you need to rectify that. I'm talking to you, Mario Party 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, Island Tour. Yeah, you tell DS, me. DS, Advance, e, E-Reader Edition. Remember that? Remember when they had a Mario Party card game with the E-Reader? That was, that was a thing. I never actually played it, but I do have the deck. We should try it sometime, actually. It's literally Mario Party, but like as a board game slash card game, and you swipe the cards into your Game Boy Advance and like do the mini games. Yeah, you have that. Like I have that. Available? Yeah. Uh, is that my parents' house? But I can go dig it up. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think he was gonna say yes. Oh no, I I I was all I, I want to say I was all about the e-reader, but when they released that, I thought it was a really interesting idea, and I have like some of the Mario three cards. I have Mario Party E. I have what else? I think there's another thing they did that I have. But yeah, I I was a day one buyer of the e-reader, being the good old. Nintendo sucker you that thought I that was going to be the future, huh? I didn't think it'd be the future, but I thought it would have a little more legs than it did. I thought it was an interesting idea, and it was it was really their first crack at Amiibo, essentially, like physical things that that create gameplay. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, wasn't wasn't meant to be. Um, but while we're on this path of old things, there's a third Nintendo release we have impressions of: The Legend of Zelda Game and Watch, which I bought. Angel, you bought. I think Kevin, you did not. Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. But yeah, th- this thing I, is I just like... Thought, I just do not have the, I guess, space to buy stuff like that. I'm, my, I'm running out of space in my room. I mean, and that's the thing, is this thing is like purely a collectible. Like, it, it has games, but I would say it's a collectible first, a game second, you know? Um, and, the, and its whole purpose is totally nostalgia too. Like, you know, we were talking about nostalgia with Mario Party, but this exists to celebrate the 35th anniversary of the Zelda series. It puts the original Zelda, Zelda 2, the Game Boy version of Link's Awakening and um, Vermin, the Game and Watch game Vermin, but Link's head is on Mr. Game Watch. All of those are on one device. Uh, Angel, have you been messing with yours much? Yeah, um, not a whole ton as I would have liked, but I don't know. It's funny, like I was really looking forward to this thing just because, like, oh, you know, add another one to the collection. Because mm-hmm. you know, now it's two. But as soon as I got it, it's almost like. The first thought that came to my head was, damn, I didn't need to buy this. <laughs> like, there's obviously nothing wrong with it. I think it's like a step up from the last one. Oh, for sure. I still think it's really cool. I love the fact that, I mean, you actually have like three full games instead of just two. Mm-hmm. And one of those games being one that I, like, I still really want to play. And Vermin. And, you know, the, the clock looks neat. And I love the fact that they finally added the option to just like keep the display awake and mm-hmm. just let itself like die. Like, I wish the Mario one had that option because the moment you unplug it, it'll, like, shut off after, like, a couple seconds or... It does show you some snazzy hand-drawn Mario art as it powers down, so it gives you a farewell, but, yeah, it turns off very quick. Yeah, and that's really annoying. I I don't want it to do that, and this one doesn't, so they are learning from it. But, yeah, I don't know. I I, I guess at this point, unless it's, like, unless the next one is Metroid, I might actually think about whether I'm going to get these or not because... Yeah, I would have been playing a lot more than... I thought I'd be playing it a lot more than I really am, I guess. I would be so, shocked really if they... not against the thing in general, but... Yeah. I'd be shocked if they do another one. I think this is like the classic NES and Super Nintendo where they kind of hit the ceiling of it and they're done. I don't know. Like, the fact that, like, this thing came out and no one really talked about it, like, even Nintendo barely talked about it and they just kind of released it and there's no, like, scalper scene around it. Like, I don't think this is gonna... I'm not saying a scalper scene's a good thing, but I'm just saying it indicator of demand. I don't know if they're gonna do a third one. This might be it. But um, I do think you kind of hit the nail on on the head about how this is like 
better than last year's in terms of implementation. Like, I, I was actually pretty surprised by just how much more stuff there is in this game and watch compared to the Mario one. Because, like, honestly, I thought they were just going to swap out some ROMs and add little start select buttons to the hardware and call it a day. And, you know, that in of itself would have been totally fine. Like, in my mind, still worth 50 bucks maybe because the setup of the Mario game and watch was pretty solid as a, like as a collectible first device, like for fans, it has the games, but it kind of knew its audience was already super familiar with them. So it let you, you know, like manipulate things. You could start any level you want. You could have infinite lives. If you use the clock, um, it, it was like a really nice display piece and it had like little Easter eggs. I think they're like, they were bragging that there were like 35 of them at the time for 35 years. It, it had that classic art when you power down. I already mentioned it had a, ball which i guess is ball in the same way that vermin is vermin uh it was just like a neat little device so coming into the zelda game and watch i was basically of the mindset that if they mirror all that and maybe give us a longer power cord which they didn't but if they mirror all that um it's an equally good collectible sure why not and then what kind of surprised me was having it in my hands these past few weeks it became apparent that like nintendo treated this less as a companion device to mario's and more like a sequel to the device and, you know, if you're not interested in having the device, you're not using it much, it is what it is. But, like, if you sort of dive into it, obviously the fact that it comes with more games up front, 4 versus 3, you know, maybe was the hint that there's something a little more elaborate going on. Perhaps the quality of life improvements, like you are talking about, the always-on display, maybe that was a hint that maybe they're trying a little harder than just making a companion device. But then they just kept kind of going with the enhancements and changes, and it, it really gave it kind of like a successor vibe to me. Like, the back of the Game & Watch has this completely unadvertised feature when you power it up, a little glowing Triforce appears. Think of it like a dimmer version of the old MacBook uh, glowing Apple logo yeah. on the lid. Um, it was pretty neat, and I didn't know that was going to be there. And then, like, within the software, it has save states for the games, along with the little hacks like Mario where you can, you know, hear, start with Max Hearts. Um has the ability to even like adjust the screen aspect ratio for Link's Awakening if you want the Game Boy ratio. Um, but most notably, the clock, if you use the clock, it's now interactive. Like by default, it works similar to the Mario one. Um, there are different animations of Link kind of making his way through dungeons. It's over like a 12-hour span, I think, that gets him from the Star's Journey to Ganon. But now you can actually pick up the Game & Watch and start playing any of the dungeons at any time. And there's also this timer mode that they modeled after Adventure of Link. Um has a challenge mode baked in two challenge modes actually baked into it because you can either pick it up at any point and start killing the the monsters on enemies on the screen and it keeps a little count of how many you've killed there's like a little high score box or you can do, do an actual like designated time attack mode where you try and kill 21 enemies as quickly as possible and considering the price is exactly the same for zelda and mario a year ago there's a lot more to be had here like never mind you know the length and depth of a game like link's awakening versus you know Mario or Mario Lost Levels. Like, it really... If it's something that resonates with you as, like, a collectible or as something you want to do, which it sounds like, Angel, you're kind of over it, but if it resonates, it really is a step up from a year ago in terms of just features. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. 100% agree. Of But, but, there, there is... I do have one bone to pick because, you know, of course, this all helps enhance the game side of the Game & Watch, but there's also the watch side of the Game & Watch. And for me... That, I don't know if you, did you, what did you end up doing with your game watch, Angel? Did you primarily use it as a clock in the end, or were you still playing it pretty regularly for a while? It was more of a clock Same. than anything. Yeah, because I'd say my my Mario game watch became like, like it's under my, it's in my work setup on my desk, like nicely nestled between my dual monitors. It's kind of like, its primary purpose is to be a clock at this point. And I feel like it's only fair we talk about the Zelda game watch also as a clock, because that, you know, for 
two of us right here, that's what the Game of Watches primarily became. And if I were to review this purely as a clock, I guess welcome to like the Random Clock Podcast, but if I were to say this is a clock and you want to buy a clock, I may actually prefer the Mario one, to be honest. Um, like, don't get me wrong, everything added is great fan service. The variety of the environments, the dungeons, the, the additional, like the more colors um, in terms of just showing you different colors, you know, it all looks really great on the LCD screen, which is the exact same LCD screen as a year ago, but I'm still impressed by the quality of it given the price of this thing. Um, but to me, all that comes at the expense of being a clock. Like, it seems perhaps silly, but I immediately noticed that the font is smaller for the actual time on this thing. Now, presumably they did that because they had to use the assets of 8-Bit Zelda, which are slimmer in general. You know, it's, it's zoomed out more than Mario. Shrubbery in the overworld takes up fewer pix- uh, pixels and like a question mark block wood in Mario. Everything's, like I said, kind of zoomed out. But for glanceability purposes, it's it's noticeable, as is the fact that sometimes the contrast of the time against the background of the dungeon or whatever isn't quite as strong as the contrast in the Mario one. And this isn't a huge deal since, you know, the environments themselves seem to change at a quicker pace. Like Mario's environments um, would essentially rotate on the hour with the lighting outside, you know, morning sun, midday, dusk, nighttime, all reflected in the sky of the level of Mario. Zelda, because it's on that 12-hour quest cycle where you get to Ganon, um, it goes through a lot more different colors, a lot quicker. The variety is really nice. But because you're on that kind of quest, it throws shops and rooms and other little things at you where the time actually moves from being in the middle of the screen up to the top left kind of in the HUD with the hearts and the item info and again it makes sense as a little Zelda tribute you know you want to hop into at any time or or be like oh neat there's a fairy fountain reference or whatever but if you're looking for like glanceability at a clock having the location of the time literally move and change size probably isn't the best like it's not bad it's not going to confuse you you know um but compared to the steadiness of the Mario clock, it required a bit more, I don't know, active effort, I guess. Like, maybe, probably milliseconds. It's not, like, make or break, but it's just something that I immediately noticed when I set up as a clock this last couple of weeks. So, I'd say as a, for me at least, the Zelda game watches on the inverse of the Mario one in the end. Like, the Mario one included some games, but for me it became kind of an actual clock display. This time, I feel like I may play the device more because there's literally more to play and it's deeper but I may use it as a clock less. Does that make sense? But either direction, like, these gaming watches, I still think are really cool fan service devices. Like, Nintendo has their mainstream stuff. You know, they bundle Mario Kart with the Switch for Black Friday and sell a bajillion or whatever. But these little stocking stuffery things, like the Zelda game watch, are, are they're totally for the fans. They're not, they're, they're not trying to do anything, like, mainstream with them. They're just these cool little knickknacks that Nintendo is now leaning into further, they're, like, further leaning into the idea of fan service with the Zelda one, and that's cool, I think. Um, but as a clock, it's eh. So, that's my rant about clocks. Never thought I'd talk about clocks, but here we are. Wow. Yeah. Riveting stuff. I know, right? Like, and that, I spent a good amount of time on that, too. Ha, 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 I should just unplug my microphone. Um, yeah, but it, it is actually kind of, not clocks, but this fan service thing is sort of weirdly a theme this episode um, with Nintendo just doing things that core fans want. I mean, we got Mario Party properly online finally. We have the Zelda Game & Watch. And then heading into Thanksgiving week, Nintendo, literally out of nowhere, announced plans to team up with Panda Global for an official Smash Bros. champion circuit. One that includes both Ultimate and surprisingly also Melee. Um, I feel like 
we have two people on the other end of my microphone here, one who's a competitive Smash fan, one who hates that Nintendo wasn't supporting the competitive scene, and now here they are. What do you guys think? It's cool. Um, I mean, I don't know. On one hand, it's like, it, it, it's cool. It, it's it, it needed to happen to some extent, but I guess personally, it doesn't really change much for me because I just love watching competitive Smash Brothers, and this doesn't add or subtract from that. Well, could it open the door like, to more competitive play, though? Because, like, you know what I mean? Because this is, like, a legit one. Like, there's cash prizes. It's sponsored by Nintendo. They're going to have qualifiers virtual and in-person. They're going to have big grand finale events. Like, is this potentially going to get more people in the door for more interesting, varied competitive play to watch? Theoretically. Do you think... Maybe? I mean, these games have been, on like, on the Evo show floor for, like, so many years that, like, yeah, it's just cool. I mean, it's definitely cool getting, like, a side thing, but... I think of the Capcom Pro Circuit and how, like, people know it's there. <laughs> really? But it I feel like Evo popular? is still, like, the main... But I feel like Evo is still, like, the main one. Like, that's, like, the one people care about for, like... I don't know, I'm watching, like, the Street Fighter Finals. You'd think the Capcom Pro Tour would get, like, way more noise because, you know, it's the Capcom Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, it's new. I mean, it's going to be new. It's going to It's going to take a while for it to get, like, the prestige that... I guess that an Evo Finals or even like a Big House Summit or those other Smash tournaments that have been around for a while now for Ultimate and Melee and everything else. Do Do you think them partnering with Panda, uh, specific Panda Global specifically, might help since Panda, I believe, got its start in the Smash scene, like with Smash players that they sponsored? Like, do you think there's some clout that comes with that, or do you think it's still like kind of a ground floor they have to work their way up? It definitely helps. Um, it's definitely going to be an easier battle for them. I mean, people are watching, but right. No, I'm just curious to see where it goes. I'm curious how much Nintendo's going to co-market this, you know? Because they could be like, "Yeah, we gave them the license; they're going to do their thing." But are they actually going to like promote it? <laughs> are they going to have live streams that they put on Nintendo.com and they promote through their channels, like they kind of do with the seasonal ones with Battle Fee? Or like, mm-hmm. it's kind of it's hard to say, but. If they do, I can see it picking up a little steam. It is hard to say, huh? Yeah. yeah. It, it does weirdly also cast a different light on when Nintendo shut down that online Smash Bros. Melee tournament a while ago. The one we... Who was it run by? Like, Big House or something? Um, and Nintendo is claiming piracy uh, I issues. Don't what? I don't remember. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't the, think this... The one ex- that I think I, I went on a rant on. Right. And I don't think this excuses that Nintendo did that, but it does. Like, it's still not the best practice um, and doesn't really give them the out for the fact that people should be able to do what they want with their games once they own them. But it does maybe give some context as to why 19 years later at the time, Nintendo was still, like, cracking down on Melee because they were forging an official tournament that they want to do through legit channels. So it is interesting, like, you know, eight months later, six months later, however long it's been, being like, oh, maybe that's why Nintendo was being the bully there. Again, doesn't necessarily excuse it, but the, the, the added context is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's been a weird journey for the competitive scene for Smash, hasn't it? Like, not supporting it whatsoever, you know, claiming Smash was a party game, remember tripping and Brawl and how the random element was a good thing. Then doing kind of like casual tournaments with items, then doing battle fee tournaments. Now, actual competitive esport play from Nintendo with real prizes. It's they it, are still not out of the woodwork yet, though. We still don't know what this 
looks like in terms of actual gameplay. For all we know, That's they true. might just add items in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, can you imagine? Like, because didn't they do? Didn't Nintendo actually do that for like their invitational ones? Yeah. For yeah, for their official, not only the invitational, but even like some of these like pro, well, I guess some of these online ones like they'll usually have normal rules, but there have been a few with items or special stages and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. It, it does give me hope that they're not going to do that because they are adding melee in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly they know what the hardcore uh, Smash fans want, and like you said, adding Panda Global to this is is pretty helpful. I have seen some people who are uh, not recognized. What am I? What's the word that I'm looking for? Like they are. I, I, this is going to kill me because I can't think of the word. It's so simple. Who are sort of linked to stuff like Beyond the Summit. Which does you know uh, associated with Smash Summit Smash yeah associated yeah perfect who are associated with Beyond the Summit who aren't too excited for this on Twitter, hmm. uh, which is interesting and I, I didn't delve into why exactly I, I don't know why but I would assume they know more than me. Uh, yeah. Aside from that, you know we just got a brand new COVID variant, like yeah. And this is supposed to be an in-person event. To be sure, fair, you can make it so that's that it's a. Yep. Go, I was say to be fair, in the press release, they do have a big old asterisk that says "virtual until it's safe." Until COVID nineteen is safe. Virtual until it's safe. So, so how are they going to make melee virtual? I don't know. Could you imagine if because, twenty years later, because Nintendo, if you then do, they actually, if you, yeah, if you use Slippy for that, that's such a slap in the face. That's even worse. There's if no they way go ahead and to. use Slippy. There's no way to go use an outside and then, program. Then like why that. even bring a melee at all? This is what they're going to uh, use Slippy. Yeah, like <laughs> that was good. If, that was that was quality. <laughs> you can't you can't just say, "Hey, we're gonna have melee on. We're gonna have melee for this, but it's gonna be virtual." Like, what do you? Are they just gonna bring in their own in-house like network? And if they do, they better hope to God that it's as good as Slippy, or else you are gonna get crapped on. What if? Hear me out. I don't think they're gonna do it, but let's just spitball for they a second. They unveil melee HD, and that's yeah, what they kept. That's what I was about to say. Melee just turned twenty the other day. And Nintendo actually tweeted like, hey, it's Melee's 20th birthday. What if their next move after Ultimate, now that Ultimate's kind of winded down support, is actually to re-release Melee as kind of the smaller release that they know isn't going to get a ton of sales, but allows them to do this. And will obviously resonate with enough fans that will probably be a million seller, but maybe not a 15 million seller or whatever. Like, is that possible at this point? Like, it's- That would be fine, but I do not have any uh, hope. In the for netcode. Nintendo's uh, netcode, yeah, yeah. It ha- if they do that, which would be the smart move, they better roll it with a rollback. Yeah, it's just surprising how open they are to this. Because I guess so, Panda, I guess, is making a controller that plays nice with uh, ultimate. It's kind of like a hybrid of a pro controller and a GameCube controller, and they're going to sell it to use with the tournaments that people want. I think it's Panda that's doing it, but it's like a hundred R controller. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's it's their it's basically a pro GameCube controller. Yeah. It's like completely modular. Has like back buttons. It's just supposed to be a modernized GameCube. It's like it's like a GameCube controller through it's the like lens. It's like the worst thing they could have gone with, but it is what it is. I mean, we already have the Pro controller, so it's like it's like a Pro con- uh, GameCube controller through the lens of like an Xbox Elite controller, like with the the. P- yeah. But yeah, it's interesting because Panda, as in the partner of Nintendo, is releasing their own controller, and Nintendo's like, yeah, that's cool. So I do wonder how flexible Nintendo's going to be. I don't think they're going to allow Slippy. I can't see them allowing an outside source for the online connections, but. Sure, but that still brings up a lot of questions about exactly what they're going to do, especially with Melee. 
I mean, another question that comes up is Nintendo just the other day released the final balance patch for Ultimate. Uh, 13.0.1 is the version. And they're done balancing Ultimate. So as they head into a tournament scene, a competitive scene, they're not going to balance things anymore. Like, it, it, there's another kind of, not red flag, but like, what's going on there? Because isn't that, Angel, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the lack of further balancing what led Bayonetta to ultimately be banned from the Smash for Wii U scene because she was just OP and that was the end of that? Yeah, but this already came after Sora's release. Like, Sora was out, and if there were any bans to give or any buffs or nerves to give Sora, they would have done it now. But they also, like, I I remember the entire list, but I did see that, like, Mega Man's now buffed, and I think Link, someone, Link, maybe, Jigglypuff, is nerfed. Yeah, Link, Cloud, yeah. a couple yeah, a couple people got, got final adjustments, which, like, as far as I know, were, like, characters that needed it. Mm. But, um... Yeah, I mean, the game's already pretty much balanced, and it only becomes more fun when you have, like, I guess, random craziness like you do now with some characters. Like, people were kind of getting afraid, like, oh, man, Cloud's down B can be used one frame faster, and now it connects to all these things, and it's, like, super broken, and, like, you know, it's, like, the worst thing ever. But I have a friend that means Cloud, and he's really good with Cloud, and even he couldn't really, like, pull it off consistently during a game. It's, like... Something that looks broken when I guess when you're demonstrating it, but in practice, like, yeah, it it's not gonna. I, I think the game state is fine. The only thing that could just happen is that if people figure out every single character completely, then you know the meta, the competitiveness is gonna kind of get stale. Like once like the characters are finally figured out that are the best, they're just gonna stay there. But I still think you know Smash or well, yeah. I think Smash Ultimate is still far away from that. Right. There's so many characters and so many characters that feel like haven't even reached their full potential or even like their average potential. Like I feel like Ken, Ryu, Terry, all the fighting game characters basically, and Shulk, like can definitely be way higher on the tier than they are right now. But yeah, this is what it is. I I do think from perhaps a marketing perspective, like doing the tournament after all the updates are done, balance updates, new DLC, whatever. It is kind of a clever way to keep enthusiasm and interest in Ultimate. Because, like, you know, Nintendo probably better than any company outside of maybe Rockstar with GTA Five. Nintendo's the king of keeping evergreens green. So transitioning Smash, you know, without, like, missing a beat from having three, four-time-a-year announcements of new fighters to a proper eSport is going to keep it at the forefront for certain demographics that they maybe still want to sell the game to. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a move they do all the time with in-game events and free updates. Um, but it's interesting with Smash that they're doing it in kind of this external way for once. Um, but literally in like the last three weeks or so alone, like three different games we haven't talked about in months all got updated just in time to be in the conversation for Black Friday sales weekend, which again, like Nintendo's pro at this. Um, so unless there's anything else you guys wanted to say about Smash, I was going to jump into... I, I don't know if you guys have tried the new Mario Golf update, but I gave gave it a bit of a go. Um, No, I just said... I mean, all things considered, just knowing it is like the final adjustment is a little sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a... You know, it's a momentous occasion, no more. And it's been great that the vast majority of these adjustments have almost always been buffs. There's been like very few nerfs. It's just always a great way to go instead of... You know, bringing characters down, bring other characters up. Like, just bring them to that level of, I don't know, I guess, annoying sort of broke. <laughs> yeah, like, why ruin someone's and... favorite when you can just 
you know. Yeah, so so I'm definitely gonna miss like this wacky update that just go like, whoa, this character got buffed for this thing. But yeah, so yeah, it was a fun ride. Until Melee HD, which may or may not happen. Um, yeah, which will will not happen. Exactly. Yeah. I'm definitely not getting that if they do come out with that. I I don't think it's gonna happen. That's just a weird. The last thing I want to play is Melee. <laughs> um, I haven't touched Melee in so long. I don't even know how. I don't remember how it plays. I know it's faster, but just doesn't feel good. Mm. Doesn't feel good. Fair, but um, yeah. Don't you like hey, big all stars though? Isn't that essentially just Melee wrapped in the new package? Yes, but the the feel of the game of Melee just has this feel that I guess I've just grown to not like. Because obviously I was fine with it when it came out. But Melee just feels like everything is like... It feels like the gravity is like super like super strong. And besides like the speed just being a lot higher. like I don't know. Everything feels... I know it's not clunkier, but it just feels clunkier to me. It feels like a clunkier game than, than Ultimate. Like Ultimate, everything just like has a, a nice flow to it. I just like as I'm playing, but that's just like obviously how I feel. That's like a very incredibly subjective take on it. And even Nickelodeon Authors, I feel like doesn't really have that issue. Um, It's not even really an issue because it's obviously just the way the game is designed. But that game is both weird because you have the movement, I guess, tools to move really fast like you do in Melee. But the game doesn't feel like the gravity is like at 100. I don't know. It's. I feel. I, I definitely enjoy the feel of that game a lot more as well. Are you. Where do you think. Uh, it's not coming to Switch, but where do you think Multiversus from Warner Brothers is going to end up in terms of. Like, do, is there any insight to like. Wait, that's not coming to Switch? Nope, which is really bizarre. It's a free to play on oh, everything but Switch. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So for those who don't know, who aren't following the non Switch news beat, um, Warner Brothers is making their own smash bros style crossover fighter platform fighter called multiversus which is a clever pun of a name uh but it's everything from batman to scooby to game of thrones to dc com well obviously with batman dc comics um it's it's literally all their ips just smushed together i think adventure times maybe in there um but yeah i don't know any of the background of who's developing or or anything because like nickelodeon is very clear from the start like oh these are melee fanboys who modded stuff in the past and now get to make their own game is there anything like that happening with multiverses do we know um honestly don't know a lot about the development of that game surprisingly like yeah it just sounds like it was just a team that was approached or created specifically to make this game Mm. but yeah i mean they're definitely focusing on the 2v2 aspect and the fact that it's free to play also makes it very interesting so it's already going to be its own thing right which is great i don't need things overlapping so I feel like I have a reason to check it out, but I don't know because also free to play like they show that you have like it looks like you can improve your power or skill. So there's like skill trees involved and leveling up your characters, which I'm hoping doesn't mean it's like basically a pay to win. But I guess we'll see. But other than that, everything else looks good about it. Cautiously optimistic, but. Yeah, interesting. It's just interesting. It's so funny to me how, like, the second that Smash Bros. support, like, ended, like, you know, like, all right, here's our file DLC. It's Sora. And then Nickelodeon's like, all right, here's our fighter. And War Brothers like, okay, now here's our fighter. Like, they were all just waiting because they knew they'd get stepped on. So they just kind of held out. And then the second Smash is done, like, all right, our turn. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, even Disney, theirs is a little different. They're doing a mobile game where they're combining all their universes. <laughs> I think it's more of a top-down, like, Brawl Stars type game. But... They too announced it in the wake of Smash Bros. hype kind of winding down. 
So it's uh, interesting how the industry knew. There's no way they're topping Smash, but if they wait for people to yearn for Smash, maybe there's hope. <laughs> um, but yeah, to, to jump to the next topic, what I was starting to say, to kind of segue us back in, is uh, I feel like Smash, the Smash competitive announcement with, with with Panda was all was part of the same few week window where Nintendo just started doing these all these free updates and different updates to get people talking about games that aren't necessarily in the conversation now because they're older, they're not new, you know, they're not new releases, they don't have the marketing around them. But you know, two days before Thanksgiving, you don't just casually release Mario Golf Super Rush big 4.0 update unless you're hoping that maybe people might be like, oh, that looks cool, I'm going to pick that up over Black Friday or whatever. Um, and that was the biggest drop. Uh, shadow drop of the last couple weeks of which there were multiple but yeah nintendo put out this new update for mario golf it's the final update um it's a kind of decently meaty one playable characters in shy guy and wiggler uh two new modes in one on one off putt i think it's called and target mode and two new courses in shell top sanctuary i think that's what it was and uh, all-star summit have either of you downloaded and tried this new update that they didn't even announce till it was available no, because I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah, they. I like, mean, who all. did you did you try, Kevin? No, because I didn't know. Yeah, okay. Then I'm gonna until continue my I saw your tweet. Who <laughs> thought on a Tuesday night of Thanksgiving week was a good time to release a big update to Mario Golf, and then just do a single tweet and never talk about it again? Like, what? What are you doing, Nintendo? People are traveling. But anyway, I did because I saw the tweet and I downloaded it and everything. I did dabble in it. Um, I have three pretty straightforward thoughts. Wiggler's a fun addition for its animations alone. Target mode is kind of like golf monkey target, and it's pretty cool. You have five rounds to get the high score and target, um, you know, as high score as possible. And the new All-Star Summit course is the exact type of whimsy I was hoping for after we got New Donk City's course over the summer. Uh, basically, it's a riff on the star course at the end of Mario Golf 64, but... For those who never played it, what that means is the course is a bunch of 2D character art laid flat and turned into courses like green parts are grass, skin tone like beige parts are sand, the reds on people's shirts are like this bouncy ceramic tile that your ball will ricochet off of, and because of how it integrates the character art, at least to me, gave me some real like Mario Kart 64 Rainbow Road uh, vibes because it's just like we haven't we haven't really seen Nintendo do 2D art integration into Mario games directly since that N64 era. So it's kind of a cool throwback. Um, and I will say, and, and maybe this is technically a bonus forethought, but I will say that um, them ending support without even attempting anything in the spirit of Mario Golf World Tour's online tournament options is kind of a bummer. Um, like, we know it's doable because World Tour did it quite well, and they could have used it to, I don't know, add some longevity to Super Rush past the update because they could have had in-game events that were all like automated through the tournaments like official tournaments um but i guess i guess when they focused on super rushing they kind of shifted away from all the world tour and tournament play stuff which is a bit of a bummer um but yeah that's kind of like the the cliff notes of the new update but it was one of like three because tournaments aside you know mario golf that was a pretty solid update and then they did an equally out of nowhere equally solid update with mario kart home circuit the week prior is the big 2.0 update. Um, and this is, for those that don't remember, Home Circuit is the one with the live RC cars that you actually drive around your living room like you build a track. And with this update, what they did is instead of requiring two switches, one switch per car, you can actually place local split screen with two RC cars on a single switch. I mean, you can actually finally play multiplayer on a TV. You used to have to, one person had the TV, but one person would have the hand touch. Like you had to have 
one Switch, one copy of the game, one car. Now you can do two cars, one copy of the game, and one Switch. Um, and they also add a relay mode on top of that, so up to four people can play rotating using just one cart and one game. And on top of all that, over the Thanksgiving weekend, Nintendo then discounted Home Circuit to be the price of a regular game. So it was 60 bucks with the cart included instead of the usual 100 bucks. So again, you know, Nintendo is booing a past game a full year after its release. Um, granted, this got a little extra oomph with the tie-in price drop, which really, I think, repositions the entire value proposition of this thing. Because suddenly, you know, this $100 game that you needed to buy multiple of is like standard price and ready to go right out of the box. But still, like, this idea of like old game, new tricks, um, it admitted I, I was tempted. 60 bucks for that isn't a bad deal, but I have nowhere to put the tracks and I don't have the patience to build the tracks. But I don't know if the price were to stay that low. Would it convince you guys to buy it, or is it kind of... I'm guessing, Kevin, you don't have room in your room. Probably not. Probably not. Angel, I know you... Yeah, it's enticing. Right? Like, it's it's right on the cusp. Still no. Still no. Yeah. Very hard, hard, hard pass. Wow, okay. Aggressively hard pass. All right. But yeah, I mean, Home Circuit, obviously, is a more extreme example of my point about how Nintendo just keeps leveraging their old titles with stuff like this, you know, especially compared to, like, the 4.0 update and... Mario Golf or Smash Gang, a championship circuit. But the broader point is that, you know, Nintendo is very good at boosting their games every which way to keep them afloat past their initial primes. I mean, even if it's just a bare minimum, like Mario Maker 2, the week before the Mario Kart update, got a new Ninji Challenge, which is the first time it's had one in like a year. They tied in with Zelda Game & Watch, uh, the, the release of it. But, you know, it's it's just another way, like Mario Maker 2 is now in the, in the news cycle again for Nintendo fans, so maybe they'll go buy it or or perhaps uh, another example that happened the other night to some uh, strong reaction, shall we say, is that Switch Online plus Expansion Pass got it is getting its first game update. On December 10th, we are getting one game and one game only, Paper Mario for Nintendo 64. Um, literally the bare minimum to keep Switch Online like in the zeitgeist as parents buy gifts for their kids. But yeah. It's, an absolute banger, though. It is. It is. And I, I'm not sure how you guys feel about them bare bonesing it that much with updating Switch Online with just a game and ignoring the Genesis completely, but it is a good game. I believe you. I believe you? Have you never played it? <laughs> Paper Mario? Yeah, on N64? Of course. So why'd you say I believe I you? <laughs> you know firsthand it's good. Well, yeah. I believe... <laughs> Well, yeah, I get that they're doing that, but no, I believe you. Do, do you I, think I it's two bare bones? Do you it. think they need to do multiple games in a single update? Or do you think they're going to be able to get away with this and people will just keep on subscribing? Multiple games would have been nice because, I mean, not Paper Mario is not going to be everybody's cup of tea as well. But, you know, it is what it is. It is a pretty meaty game, though. That's true. So if you do happen to play it for the first time, then you're definitely in for a long game. And apparently it's also a popular game to speedrun as well, or to at least do, like, no hit challenges or stuff like that. Oh, interesting. That. I didn't know it's that. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Been watching a few videos on that and it's pretty, pretty interesting. Just like the strategies that people have come up with over the years to essentially cheese, you know, Paper Mario of all things. Right. Right. You know, it actually launches Paper Mario. Um, it likely, it's December 10th, what Nintendo's saying, but likely it's going to launch at midnight Eastern on December 9th which is the same day as the Game Awards. Can you imagine, especially after the blowback of fans being like, really, one game? Can you imagine if Nintendo's big thing at the Game Awards this year 
was just a series of ads promoting that Paper Mario is now on Switch Online. Like, I remember in past years they did, like, those Smash Bros. ads or they did, like, uh, indie game ads. Like, I almost want them to just do that to see the reactions. Like, people would lose their minds if Nintendo's like, welcome to the Game Awards. You can buy Paper Mario in 20 minutes, and that's, like, all they announce. But I, I doubt they'll do that, but it would be kind of amazing as a troll move. Um, it does... Be It'd be so sick. But no, it does bring us to our final topic, the Game Awards. Um, the first Game Awards in quite some time, mind you, where we won't have the expectation of a new Smash Bros. character. But whatever Nintendo announces, what we do know now is the nominations are out. And like last year, uh, we thought it'd be kind of fun to make some predictions. So also like last year, Kevin, do you want to MC this part? Do you want to run this segment? Uh, Yeah, sure. So I have here a... We're not going to go through all of them because I don't think... I don't think more than half of the actual nominees are relevant to what we talk about here yeah. on this podcast or even other pod- our uh, other podcasts, which I think we should talk about after once we're all said and done here. Uh, but I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight awards that we could talk about. Okay. Especially curated. All right. So right at the top, we have most anticipated game. Which is oh the nominees are Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Breath of the Wild Two, and Starfield. I mean, I I want to say Breath of the Wild Two, but I was gonna say I feel like Elden it, Ring. I feel like it has to be Breath of the Wild Two, El- right? Oh, no, Elden Ring has an unreasonable amount of hype around it. I feel like, and I'm not saying that as a negative towards yeah, the game. Like, I'm just saying it's of, like mean, bigger than its britches. <laughs> like it's so yeah, like. Yeah, I was talking to Jason about this like the other week, but like it felt like no one ever talked about Elden Ring before this. Like I didn't know anything about Elden Ring, and then it got announced, and then suddenly like every all my coworkers, everyone I was talking to about video games, like all of a sudden, not only knew what Elden Ring was, but it was incredibly hyped. How it's like the best thing ever coming out, and like how they can't contain it. It's like what, like when when did this happen? Well, and Elden Ring was announced in 2019, Mm -hmm. and we got a reveal trailer and nothing else until last year. Until like last month. Oh yeah, yeah, it was summer. That's right, not last year. It was summer game fest. Yeah, they went they went quiet on it for two years. And I think people are so hyped because of the pedigree of who's involved. Like it's from software, so it's the Dark Souls people. But then they have uh, George R. R. Martin helping write it. They have um, Miyazaki helping write it. The not. From from software, I mean, um, they they like it has a lot of pedigree around it, but it it I don't know, like I think Dark Souls was that big that people would lose their minds over Elden Ring that quickly, you know. Well, this is this is just open world Dark Souls, and it's something that we've been Souls fans have been clamoring for mm, okay. forever. I this uh, well, okay okay spoiler alert. This is my most anticipated game of all time at this point, uh, because I love the Soul series. You guys know how much I love Bloodborne, right? Right. Uh, Sekiro was my game of the year, what, like two years ago when we talked about you this? You were different this. about them. I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, Dark Souls, obviously, the Dark Souls games obviously are very similar. Uh, Bloodborne is a little bit faster, and then Sekiro was a complete departure in terms of speed and just overall gameplay. I, it wasn't a complete departure because it was still exactly the same thing, but Elden Ring, this, it's not a bad thing to say that Elden Ring essentially looks like Dark Souls 4. It's just Dark Souls in an open world, which that's good enough for me. Right. Um, it's interesting because yeah, so I'll be choosing Elden, Elden Ring. Ring and Breath of the Wild 2 it both have the uh, esteemed title of being uh, most anticipated game nominees for a third of the entire existence of the Game Awards. Both of them have been nominees for multiple years. 
And I think they've had the category for six years and they've been nominees for two. So literally a third of the Game Awards existence, these games have been not out yet. So just goes to show how long some of this stuff Yeah, so been. you guys are both going Breath of Personally, the Wild Personally, Breath right? of the Wild, I wouldn't be surprised if Elden Ring takes it in terms of the vote. Uh, I So I don't know who exactly is voting on this one. I don't know if it's a viewer choice or like the industry because I know a lot of these are industry awards. I'm not sure who's actually voting I, on this I one. I think – yeah, actually, that's a good question for most anticipated. I know generally it's about 90% industry, but then there's a fan vote that accounts for 10% of the decision. And then there's a voter choice yeah. one that's 100% fan vote. But yeah, I don't know where most anticipated falls. It has to be with the fans, right? Like – It'd be weird if it's just like, Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, well, we'll, we'll see. Come, we, we will see yeah, the we'll answers see come eventually. Night. All right. So the next thing that I have is best multiplayer. Uh, nominees are Back for Blood, Knockout City, It Takes Two, Monster Hunter Rise, New World, and Valheim. Man, I want it to be Knockout City. Hmm, I don't know. A lot of those. I want it to be Knockout City. It needs the, the boost in, in um, pedigree, so to speak. Like, it's such a good game. Actually... Yeah, I agree. As much as I would, I mean, I still like Monster Hunter more overall. That one definitely had a lot of fun with it. I can't, I can't. Deny I that. okay. So, do we want to do the split, the split thing where we go who we actually want to win and who do we? think Yeah, we, we probably should because I don't think Knockout has a chance. I want it to have a chance. I don't think it will have a chance. <laughs> yeah, because who? I... Oh, okay, okay, yeah, good point. Yeah, I, you know, I was gonna say Back for Blood because yeah. it had a lot of attention around it, but what I gathered is it's not catching on with players as much as they thought it would. No, it is yeah, not. Yeah, like, it, it isn't Left 4 Dead still having more and average players? I know, because I'm not playing, and if I'm not playing, who is, right? I'm a trendsetter, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, what, what was the choice again? Um, uh, Back for Blood, Knockout City, It Takes Two, Monster Hunter Rise, New World, and Valheim. I can see It Takes Two. There's a lot of buzz around it. Yeah, that's the, that's what I'm choosing as the game that will probably take. Fun it. fact about it takes two. Take two, the publisher just sued the developers of it take it takes two yesterday, uh, or not sued, but issued a copyright claim because they say the name's too similar, and now they apparently own the name it takes two, and the developers like uh is trying to figure out what to call their game. That is so random. Yep. That is such a generic. Like, I know. Yeah, and it's it takes two, and it's not yeah. like take two uses their name in their game titles ever. They use Rockstar. Yeah, like it, it makes sense for the game. Yeah. Like I don't. So I don't know where that's gonna uh, go. But they issued down. the paperwork yesterday, and I guess I don't know. Like if there's a uh, legal proceedings have to happen or what. But the paperwork came through yesterday, and the developers like the hell. So <laughs> so that's where that's at. So all right. So I'm going. It takes two as the game that's gonna take mm-hmm. it, and then Knockout City as who I'd want to take yeah. it. Is that you too, Angel or Jason? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually I agree with your picks. I've been playing through It Takes Two, and it's really really fun. Okay, so I'll just copy and paste that across all three of us. <laughs> and yeah, and I would want Knockout City to win, but yeah, it doesn't stand. I a haven't chance. been playing Knockout City. Yeah, it's been it's been a little bit. There's a yeah, new it's season. Kind of on a little hiatus this week. A new season? Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely type, check that out. Yeah, we are, I think we're all jumping back in on Wednesday finally. All right, this one is pretty much all of us could talk about this. Best family game. <laughs> it takes two Mario Party Superstars, new Pokemon Snap, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, and Wario World get it. Get it together. A couple thoughts real fast. One, WarioWare is up for a game award. Just in concept, that's crazy. Two, kind of weird that the Nintendo category has a non-Nintendo game. So cyberpunk, okay? Let's not. (laughs) What was that? So cyberpunk, okay? True. That's a good point. That's a good point. Don't don't discredit WarioWare's achievement like that. God. No, but um, also, I remember in past years, this was all Nintendo. So it takes two sneaking in there. You know, it used to be which Nintendo game would win the Nintendo award, but... 
Not quite. Um, that's a tough one. What do you guys think? Yeah, it doesn't feel as clear cut for Nintendo anymore. But, but I would still give it to um, oh man, it was like from the first two nominees. Oh, my party superstars. I'll just say for both. Really, superstars for both. I there's a part of me that thinks it's gonna be Mario 3D World, but then not really because that's a re that's a re release. So I can't see them awarding a re release. Although Bowser's Fury is really awesome as a mode. Hmm. Come back to me, Kevin. You go. <laughs> Uh, I'm probably doing superstars for both. Interesting. Oh, you know what? No, uh, just okay. I I should have made this apparent last category. It takes two is nominated for game of the year, so I don't know if that will influence your. Decisions. I don't think. I honestly think it's gonna be one of those things where the vote is split, um, or not split, but like it takes two. There, there's a pattern at the game awards. I don't know if you guys have noticed it, where the game that wins best director or best direction is not the one that wins game of the year. Like the voters seem to give different games different things if they're up for game of the year like they don't give them the other ones too they're like you'll get game of the year it's fine so I don't think it's going to win family game just because I think it has a shot at game of the year so I think if that makes sense so I think it, no it takes two so I oh. think <laughs> Mario Party for game of the year if only <laughs> um, yeah I guess Mario Party it's the only newer one on that list isn't it uh, yeah, it's the most recent. Yeah, release. and like like WarioWare, as much as I love WarioWare, is not getting it. And you know that WarioWare has problems. We've talked about it a bit in terms of variety of gameplays, so that's not that's not happening. Yeah, I guess Mario Party for both. I think. I mean, new Pokemon Snap is cool, but again, I don't. I don't think that's winning. You don't want WarioWare get it together. I, I to want it because I love WarioWare, but I think realistic. Oh yeah, fair. Right, okay, I'll so I'll say WarioWare personally. Actually, no, not even. I I yeah. oh, I like Mario Party more. I think than WarioWare this year. So okay, I will do Superstars for both. Superstars. New Pokemon okay. Snap would be cool, but it has uh, no chance. <laughs> the other one that I put on here, best RPG, which would be Cyberpunk, uh, Monster Hunter Rise, Scarlet Nexus, Shin Megami Tensei Five, and Tales of Arise. I'm pretty sure I know Angel's answer here. Didn't think that Cyberpunk would take it for you, Angel, but... <laughs> I don't understand how that's your personal thing, but... It was a pleasant surprise. Oh, people were surprised when that game launched, all right. <laughs> people did not did not know what they were about to get themselves Little into. did we know that that would be setting the bar for the next year of releases in terms of glitchiness. Yeah, right? Back to year. But... Um, what were the last three again? Scarlet Nexus, which I have been playing via Xbox Game Pass, and oh boy, that might just be my uh, game of the year, depending on how far I get into it. I just have heard good things about Scarlet Nexus. Like, there's good buzz around it. So I could see that winning. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't really played most of these or have a real opinion on them. Damn, this is tough. I'm going to give Rise the award and probably Scarlet Nexus as the game that I would want to take it. Actually, yeah, Rise makes sense because it, it, it just had that much more attention around it. Even though Scarlet Nexus has good buzz, it's not this, at the same scale as Rise. Yeah, I think just for posterity, I think I'm just going to pass. I'm going to guess. I'm going to throw pass, a curveball. No Even though Rise is also a Switch exclusive, <laughs> I'm going to want Shimigami Tensei can't. You can't choose a personal favorite. What? You can you can just give a personal favorite angel. Oh no, that's like because I don't have one not rise. Either. You don't have dude. You, you wouldn't you played rise, rise like all spring. Not rise. You at least played rise. That's that is a valid answer as to which one you would want to win. Unless you secretly I I'll give it by it. default. That's the only one I play. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Just give it by yeah. default. It's fine. 
Yeah, it is by default. I think realistically, Rise will win, but I kind of want to throw my personal choice of Shin Megami Tensei Five, not because I played it, but because like that was a long time coming. Fans were super excited for, it, and it's a Switch game. I mean, Rise is too, but it's a Switch game. Okay, that, you know. Okay, so you'll give it to S. Yeah, it's not going to probably gotcha. get it, but I'll give it. Uh, best adventure only. I've played most of these games. Uh, I know you guys have only played one. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts Two, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and Resident Evil Village. Oh man, Metroid Dread. Dread. Well, Dread's my personal yeah, choice. I think, I think Dread might actually be able to take it because I don't think it's going to win Game of the Year. Say Metroid Dread for both. Yeah, I, I'll take. I'll say Dread for both. I think. Yeah. Dread and Dread for both of y'all. Uh, I will give it to Dread. Personal pick, I'm going Psychonauts 2. It's a, that's a stacked category. Like, there's a lot of good games in that list. Yeah. Uh, best ongoing, Apex Legends, Final Fantasy fourteen, uh, Fortnite, Genshin Impact, Warzone. I would like to write in Knockout City, <laughs> if that's allowed. Unfortunately... <laughs> There, the, no right. Oh man, um, You're, you are actively losing points out there. That that is a confirmed non-point yeah. for you. <laughs> I was gonna say realistically, it's gonna. I feel like it's either Apex or Warzone that's gonna take it. Although 14's had quite the groundswell of of uh, engagement and attention and updates in the last what twelve months, so maybe. Well, 14, 14's new expansion launches. I, I think like early access launched yesterday. And full fully launches on Tuesday, mm. I believe. Yeah, Tuesday. Wow. Hmm. What about you, Angel? Uh, you know, people have been really enjoying Apex. So, whoa. Ignore that. Should I even ask what the <laughs> what that was? Was that someone who was really enjoying Apex? I can only assume. Oh, oh dang it! Has been killing it the last the last the last year. Wait, what again? <sighs> Fortnite has been killing it the oh, last year. Oh, I totally year. forgot Fortnite's on the list. That's going to win. Yeah. No, that's going to win. All right, Jason's, oh, yeah. Easily. Jason, all right, Fortnite. Yeah. I mean, for just like the sheer amount of just like cultural impact, damn. Like, I... Yeah. And it just Fortnite does not win. let up. And also... Yeah, yeah I'll get to they're going. too. They got Naruto. Were you about to say Naruto as your right. choice? No. no. The, the oh, you meant in, in, Fortnite. in Fortnite. For some reason, I thought, I thought you were just like, oh, I want Naruto. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, they gave Naruto yeah. a gun. Yeah. There's a lot of... It's the ultimate juice. There's a lot of interesting stuff that Fortnite's doing. Yeah, like that new quote that he's out of chakra, but not out of options. <laughs> they're, they're. I, I will give Fortnite credit, even if it doesn't win. Like they, all this metaverse stuff. Like they are the closest, and they're doing something. Like they introduced like social hangouts like a couple weeks ago. You know, they're they bought harmonics the other week to like do deeper music gameplay. Like they're moving well beyond just a battle royale at this point. It's really interesting to see, and they somehow have the weirdest mishmash of IPs in their game that you will probably ever see anywhere ever. So they're they're killing it in that regard. So yeah, I think I think they're gonna get. Alright. I I'm gonna give my I'm gonna give it also to Fortnite, but my personal pick will be Apex Legends. As much as I love Genshin Impact, they haven't really gone above and beyond aside from expansions. Like they haven't really done anything on the level of Fortnite. And I guess they have gone they have just done stuff on the level of what Apex is doing, but I don't know, I just can't see myself uh, choosing oh, Genshin over Apex. Sorry, Genshin. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> Personal choices? Fortnite? Yeah, Fortnite? I think Fortnite. I'm just impressed with what yeah. they're doing with the universe of Fortnite, honestly. Like, I don't really play it ever at all, but, like, it's it's really cool what they're doing. Yeah, say what you will about Fortnite. Like, they're 
it really does feel like they're really like doing their best. Yeah. And they keep uh, layering on I stuff, which is what's most interesting. Is they're not stopping. They're still going in new directions. Yeah. Like, just the creativity going into just, like, the narrative around mm-hmm. the fact that it's just a, like, free-for-all. It's, I mean, yeah, Battle Royale, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, we'll uh, for sure see Donald Mustard or whatever his name is from Fortnite up on that stage talking about their next expansion and now they're doing this and the next thing. Like, it's, it's yeah. And at this point, the only thing that would blow my mind is like if we actually see like Mickey firing a gun <laughs> or like some character like that. Because we've already seen plenty of like, like, oh man, like Ryu firing a gun. That's weird. Chun Li firing. Well, Chun Li's a cop, so I guess that makes sense. But, you know, just like so many characters that just look weird firing a gun. I think they have a cos no, like, figure like in there as well as a character. Really? A cos yeah. figure? Again, they're yeah. doing, they're pushing oh, IP integration in a direction that like literally no one else is yeah, even like, tempted. It's crazy. Like a, yeah. You have a good amount of celebrities yeah. in there, and I mean, even Kratos is in there. And Master Chief. What would have been awesome, but Nintendo never would have allowed, is yeah. if Samus also showed up. Like, at that point, it's the industry coming together over this game. Like, just do it, Nintendo. <laughs> like, be part of the party. But Another reason they should win, though, mm-hmm. is uh, at E3 2018 and 19, they had endless popcorn at their booth, and it was delicious. So And hot dogs. So they should win for that. And cookies. And cookies, right. Freshly baked. Yeah. yeah that was, their good. booth is the best booth every year. Not because, like, they're showing off something spectacular, but just because it's the most fun. They have, like, all these activities and food and cotton candy and, yeah. Yeah, and the, the last one that I have was Game of the Year. Because uh, Best Art Direction, I, I feel like none of us play. I mean, I played Psychonauts too, but it's not... I don't think that you guys have Well, where are the nominees? I'm curious. For art. Uh, well, the other one that I got was Best Art Direction, yeah. but that's literally only because I played two no, but what, what are the... Uh, it's the Artful Escape, Deathloop, Kenna... Bridge of Spirits, Psychonauts 2, and Ratchet and Clank. Oh, that's actually tricky. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, I mean, I've seen footage of it. Like, uh, Psychonauts 2 has the most whimsy and most, like, unique identity in a way. Ratchet and Clank, though, like, that's super cool how they did the rifts and how you jump between worlds. And the di- Yeah, that just looks like a... Yeah. It looks like a feature Yeah, film. it's really impressive. Nice. So This one, like, art direction is actually kind of easy to talk about because we've seen footage of all these games. Like, you don't necessarily need to play them to appreciate okay. the art direction. Um, at least in my opinion. All right. Keep it in? Sure. Yeah. Uh, in that case, uh, I think Rift Apart will take yeah. it. I would want it to go to Psychonauts. Exactly the same. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Playing to Psychonauts 1 and really enjoy just the yeah, just the general art direction. But Psychonauts is more, really like... more the same and much more vibrant and much more HD. So. Damn. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's some levels that just look pretty trippy and really cool. And I would definitely, I definitely think they should win, but also can't deny just how amazing like Rift Apart yeah. looks. Like it definitely looks like a, like it, it gives me that like, well, this is a next gen game kind of. Yeah, it's a few. It's so interesting how we're a year into next gen, and there's only one game that really feels next gen, and it's Rift Apart. Yeah, I mean, I think Jeff Keighley's been talking up that a lot of the games shown this year are gonna feel next gen. It's really gonna be kind of coming out, but. I don't know, I guess because of COVID and the console shortages and the scalper stuff, like we just we've been next gen, but we don't feel next gen. Except Rift Apart, which does. You know what I mean? Cool, cool. Last category, game of the year, Deathloop, it takes two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts two, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, and Resident Evil Village. I'm gonna say this is one of the few years where there's not a clear front front runner, like at all. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I want Dread. Say them one more time? Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Rift Apart, Resident Evil, Village. I'll just say... I want Metroid Dread to win. 
And hmm, I don't know. Deathloop maybe. I don't think Deathloop has the momentum behind two? it to actually take it. No, especially considering how early it yeah. came out. It takes two could be kind of the underdog that takes it. Um, yeah, I want Dread. Mm. <laughs> I don't think I weirdly don't think Blood Village Dread. has a shot. Dread can win it for both. I think it I might. I think it could. I'm go Dread twice. Yeah. I think in part because no one really expected Dread to be as good as it was. Like, I feel like the general consensus when Dread came out, yeah. like, whoa, this is actually really good. So hopefully that carries I think it, it might even be better than Super Metroid. And when you hear that getting thrown around, yeah, that, that's like, serious oh. talk at that point. Um, I don't think Village, weirdly, has a shot. Um, like, I, I did not see the same sort of tension around Village that there was around 7 a couple years ago. Like, I'm sure it's a good game. I'm not saying it's not. But I, I feel like game. outside of the tall Big lady, like, there wasn't much attention around Village, you know? <laughs> That's all the attention that game needed, okay? <laughs> Fair. Oh. I need I need to go back to to finish that. I I I literally just finished her area and said, "Well, the game doesn't have any more." <laughs> why keep so playing? Why would? Oh, spoiler alert! Sorry. Oh, uh, she's not the last one. That's the interesting. No, she's the, literally the I mean, first area. She's in the demo. That hmm. kind of makes sense. And you take her out pretty early. Hmm. That's kind of surprising. It, it's yeah. I guess it's a slight spoiler alert for uh, Resident Evil Village, but it's it it's feels insane like how and trailer levels of like it, yes, like, exactly. Oh. They they focus so much on her that they yeah she's out of the game within the first five to hours. To be fair, yeah, they kind of make her feel like the big bad. To be or fair, something. some of that focus yeah, on exactly. her. They focus extensively. Some of that her. focus on her. To be fair, came in after people started like making her a meme. Like, initially she was there, but she was just a part of it. But then they really leaned in on her when she started going viral. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah, I think Metroid Dread will take it. But Psychonauts 2 is, is my personal pick. I could also see Metroid Dread taking it because the industry is going to be like, look, like, we still value side-scrolling games. Like, not every game needs to be, like, this big open world. We're going to give it to this one. Like, I just, I don't know, I just had this feeling. Yeah. Like, it's a throwback, but it's just as good. Games can be anything. Yay. Like... That's 100% going to be the attitude. Yeah. And so, yeah, there you go. There are our picks for the Game 20, Awards 2021. 20, yeah, it's going to come to pass exactly how Exactly. And if it doesn't, no money back. No no, uh, no refunds. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see no come December 9th who wins. And then, of course, share our takes on the show and any Nintendo-related news in our next round of Nintendo episode on December 19th. Well, I mean, I, I mean, there's no more Smash announcements. So I literally have. No I mean, you don't know that. You don't know what Nintendo's gonna announce. We, I mean, yeah, this is the first year we can't assume Smash, but you never know. You never know. Oh well, that's why. Like, if if I didn't have Smash to assume, I wouldn't be mm. watching it. I might not actually be home when it's happening this year, but I'll catch up <laughs> in time to talk about it on the nineteenth. Um, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get the spark <laughs> for sure. I'm still gonna see how close we were. It's like see a list there somewhere. is. Um, before we go, there is one set of winners we get to discuss right now, right here. Um, and that's two people, actually, because we have to announce our anniversary giveaway winners. Uh, the first part of our series of giveaways. Let's go. Yep, the first part of our series of giveaways has wrapped up. Um, and in that initial portion, we gave you guys a chance to win one of two $20 eShop gift cards by commenting on our 10th anniversary show, which was episode 268, uh, with a favorite Nintendo memory of the past decade. And I have to say, before we get to the winners, there were some very nice comments and kind words, not just from those entering, but even people outside the contest reaching out. So, you know, for the anniversary and all. So thank you to all you who did that, who, who left a nice thought, be it in the contest or otherwise. Uh, it really does mean a lot. 
And if you wish to parlay those comments into, I don't know, some like Apple podcast reviews, we won't complain. But we do need to pick our two uh, contest winners to crown. And through a random drawing, our two winners are Jesus Amada, who talked about, I hope I had said his name right. If not, sorry. Uh, but he talked about the impact the Switch had on him and even worked in a Jason Tier pun to his response, uh, which I love how the random draw spat out the Jason pun to Jason. It was I appreciated that number generator. And uh, Roman, who actually just got into Nintendo this year, but rattled off Mario Odyssey, Skyward Sword, and Metroid Dread as some of his standout experiences so far. So Jesus and uh, Roman, keep an eye out for an email uh, that will have your code for your $20 eShop credit. But if you're not those two people... Fret not, because they're, this is just phase one of our contest. Uh, as we outlined last episode, we're doing this through the end of the year. Next up is going to be Twitter giveaway for two more eShop credits. So follow us at Ram Nintendo. Keep an eye out for the designated tweet to retweet, and you're back in the mix to maybe win again. And if you want even more ways to win, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, RamNintendo.com, uh, because once the Twitter contest is done, we're giving away another single $20 credit to one lucky subscriber that could be you. So, yeah, I think with that, I'm now me. You, okay, not you. <laughs> can't be you. Can't be no. you two because you're a part of the thing. But it could be anyone listening. That's not fair. I mean, I, I guess you could quit the podcast and then you could win. But then, is it even around Nintendo anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you're contemplating it, but um, can I quit the podcast, win, enter to back? win, and then if yeah, then can I come back? Uh, if you didn't say you're coming back on the recording where you're saying you're gonna quit to win. Probably, but because you already tipped your hand to all the listeners, it's now, you know, favoritism. Oh, I, I am not planning on coming back. Well, that sounded, so. <laughs> that sounded sincere. I, uh, I'm not coming back. Um, okay, then Angel. Give it to me now. If you follow us on Twitter or subscribe to us on YouTube, it's been nice working with you. Good luck winning $20. I hope our friendship is worth $20 to you. Anyway. <laughs> um, oh wow, you're ending it like that? Because no, of that? no, of All course right. not. Uh, but yeah, I think um, we're kind of deep in the end of show housekeeping now. So all I've got left to say is don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app if you haven't already. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, uh, Pandora, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere. You can also follow us individually on Twitter. I am JSR7. Angel, who may or may not be on the show by next episode, is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomi. Um, and yes, Random Nintendo will be back on December 19th. Random Nintendo may hopefully return, if schedule allows, on December 12th. Um, and until then, Kevin, final word. Oh, crap. I forgot that I do this. Uh, uh, happy holidays, damn it. That's all I got.